Welcome aboard of Felixinos and everyone here to the eight. I want to do, I want to share like a story first of all. Uh, I shared the story many, maybe three, four years ago in a sermon, but I do want to share this story again. When I was in first grade, um, well, let me start with this. Some of you guys think I'm lying, but I'm, I was very bad in school, like very bad in school. Like I was not good academically. I graduated the bottom, you know, from elementary, middle, high school, dental school. I was at the bottom, right? So I, I barely got by by the skin of my teeth, no pun intended, but I barely got by, you know, just academically. It was, I'm not gifted in. So when I was in first grade, my parents made a big deal that like I had to get A's and B's only, only A's and B's. Like if, if I got less than a B, I'm in trouble. So comes, here comes the end of the semester, and this is one of the few parts I do remember from the story because I felt so stressed being on the school bus with my report card. Right? This is before the internet, obviously. So I have a physical report card, and I got a C. My heart is racing. I'm on a school bus. I know I'm about to go home. I'm about to have to run into mom and dad, and I'm going to have to have a conversation of why I got a C. But I know mom and dad are like still at work. They're not home yet. So what do I do? I go to dad's office. I get wide out. I wide out the letter C, and I write down B. Mom and dad come to me and says, you know, did you do anything here? I said, no. I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to ask again. Did you do anything to, to did you, the what? No, no, that, that, that was the teacher. That, that, that was the teacher. I think they made a mistake in the beginning, and then she corrected herself, so I think that's, that, that was her. One more time, did you do anything? No. So, parents say, okay, I'm about to call the teacher and let's have a parent-teacher conference. Of course, my heart's coming out of my chest at this point. But I'm still staying true. Let's do it. I started the slide, I'm gonna go through with it. So I, I, I don't wanna crack, right? So I'm confident. I didn't do anything wrong, sure, call her. So we go, so this was in Duluth, Duluth, Georgia. I grew up in Duluth, so this, this, it was B.B. Harris Elementary School. There's trailers in the back of the school, and I, I remember this, this is one of the few parts I remember. So we go in, we have a parent-teacher conference. I don't remember it because I think I was about to faint. I was just so nervous. I don't remember any details from the meeting, but there was a part where mom and dad told me to step away, step outside the, the trailer, the, the meeting, and the teacher and my parents were having a meeting with me just waiting outside, so God only knows what they're talking about. So... I'm sure I was exposed. I'm sure the teacher made it clear that I, I'm the one that lied. I'm the one that, 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 that lied out. My parents were so upset with me, so disappointed with me, and they were so concerned. And I, I, was, I was talking to my mom about the details of the story this week to make sure I got all the details right. And my mom, so my, get this, my mom then made a call because she was so concerned about me. She even told me this week when I was asking, she said she was concerned I was going to become a, a, a loser. She told me, so she was so concerned I was going to become a loser. So she wanted to do something about it. So she had to make a very important call. Not to the priest. To his eminence, Metropolitan Yusuf. <laughs> I'm not making this up. So she calls the bishop and, and has a meeting of saying, my son is a, is a liar. And what do I do? And what did the bishop, how did he respond to my parents? Supposedly, my mom told me that he laughed his head off about what I was in the whole thing. Yeah, so, then, and then, you know, a few years later, he asked me if I want to be a priest. And he knows I'm a lawyer. But anyway. You know, the funny thing is, I shared this story several years ago because it was connected to the talk. Believe me, this is connected to the talk. And one of the kids, he, he's in middle school now, but I shared it three, four years ago. He came up to me randomly. He's like, hey, I heard, I, I heard that you got in trouble with the bishop. And I'm about to ask, 
Are you talking about now or are you talking about like when I was a kid? What are you talking? <laughs> I don't know, because both could be true. So which one are you talking about? <laughs> but the whole point of why I was so motivated at that moment, as when, I, when I got in trouble, when, I, my, when my lie was exposed, I wanted to change my behavior. But that was it. I just wanted to change my behavior. Like I was motivated not with a real repentant heart. No, that stuff was not there for a first grader. Are you kidding me? No, I just didn't want, like, I just wanted to change my behavior so I don't have to go to a parent-teacher conference again and I don't have to, like, I don't have to deal with it. I don't want to talk to the bishop. I don't want to deal with any of that. So I just wanted to change my behavior so I don't get in trouble again. So I was motivated superficially to change my behavior, not to get to the root of the issue of why I was a, a, a liar. But my issue, my motivation, my motivation, my drive, was so I, 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 don't, I just want to modify my behavior just a little bit so I don't have to deal with all this mess with mom and dad and punishment and time, and I don't want to deal with all that. So I was just motivated to change and alter my behavior at a superficial level. This is kind of unrelated, but I came across this just yesterday, and I felt like it fits so well into the talk. A fourth-century bishop by the name of St. John Chrysostom, he said this, Laughter has been implanted in our soul that the soul may sometime be refreshed. So I share a story like this to show, like, sometimes we, for our soul, right? This is part two of a series titled Soul Wellness. Like, what's edifying for our soul is sometimes is to laugh and for us to make a lighthearted joke over something that was extremely traumatic as a kid. But it's okay for us to laugh about it because this is refreshing and edifying for our soul. But you know what? We'll get back to our whole soul thing in a bit. For a second, just put that aside, put my whole story aside. I promise you we're going to come full circle at the end. Put that aside for a second. For many things in your life, and for many things in my life, we know what happens when we leave it unattended. We see what happens to our teeth if I do not brush my teeth for a day, two, three days. You, maybe you don't see it, but there's a superficial level of bacteria that starts building upon the enamel. There's some impact that's beginning to happen. Maybe you know what happens to your hair if you decide not to brush it for quite some time. If you leave anything unattended, there will naturally be a deterioration. There will be a, a, a drift. If you leave your marriage unattended, it will naturally become roommates dealing with bills, dealing with the kids' activities, and if everything's become dry. So any, any type of friendship, any relationship, you name it. And that's, this is not just marriage-related. Anything that, leave, that becomes unattended will naturally begin to show your physical health, any aspect, right? So you, I, I'm, I'm not sharing anything new. You and I get this. If I leave anything unattended for a longer period of time, it will cause damage to me. You and I take, we move in the direction for our financial health, our relational health, our marital health, you name it, our, our, our oral hygiene health. We take all these steps to leave things not unattended, right? We take care of things to manage it. But when it comes to the inner life, this is what we put to the side. We feel like, you know what, I can do this whole church thing every now and then, I'll pat myself on the back. Sure, I can do the whole aid thing for every now and then, I'll pat myself on the back. And we feel that's, that's, my, that's, my, that, that, that's, that's what, I, what I'm doing to feed my soul. When I leave my soul, hear me out on this, when I leave my soul unattended, this is where I will lead to regret. Last week, we talked about when people like, that you see on the news or celebrities, that a dark part of their life has been exposed. You and I look at their life and they're like, man, I would never do that. I would never have an affair. I would never cheat. I would never have that second part of my life. I would never have that dark aspect of my life. You and I look at them on the news. You, you and I look at them online. I mean, like, man, that would never happen to me. But it can happen 
this quickly when we leave our soul unattended. So this is serious stuff in which we are talking about. And this has kind of been our series in a nutshell here. The health of your soul determines if there will be two versions of yourself. The health of your soul determines if there will be two versions of yourself. Because our reflex, there is a temptation, to be honest, for all of us, right? It's not, you know, this is for everyone. There's a temptation that I can leave a public life that looks like this, and then I can leave a private life that looks completely different. I, I was telling this to the high schoolers on Friday night at the Inside Out program. I, I, can, I can have my church friends and portray myself in a certain way, and then I can have my school friends in a certain way, and I can have a dichotomy and manage these two aspects of my life. Eventually, I'll burn out because I don't, I, I don't even know who I am anymore. But we're tempted to have a public life and a private life, a, a, a version of myself when it comes to work and this type of setting. But this type of setting, my Sunday setting, forget it. I'm a completely different person. <laughs> imagine, imagine. If I took your work or school friends and I put them in a room with your church friends and I put them in the room and I asked them, oh, tell me about, you know, person X. I don't want to say your name so you don't pretend I'm talking about you. But I told them, well, tell me about person X. Would I hear two different versions of you or would they be saying the exact same thing about you? Or there's a public version of you and then there's a private person that exists online. And we try to manage those two. And then if I asked people in those two settings, who is this person? I would get two completely different answers. For you and me, when it comes to this whole soul wellness check, you can try to manage these two versions and try to manage, you know, when do I say these types of jokes? When do I talk like this? When do I curse? When do I need to put on the whole Christian face? When, when do I manage these two? You can try to do that. or. You can come to the author of life and say, you manage my life as you seem fit, as we pray liturgically. Me managing the two versions of me, this leads to fatigue, burnout, to the point where I look myself in the mirror and I don't even know who I am anymore. It's easy to get to that point. <laughs> and that person you would hate to be friends with that person, that person that lives two lives. You would hate to be friends with that person. And then all of a sudden, we become that person because we leave our soul unattended. Last week, we looked at our first soul wellness check exercise, which requires us to surrender. This removes the tension. This closes the gap between the two versions of us for us to go all into surrendering. Not my will, but thy will, as we say in the Lord's Prayer. It's not my will, but it's thy will. It's, it's me moving in the direction of surrendering, going all in. Yes, even that aspect of life, going all into surrendering. This is what allows me to close the gap. Because if I don't close the gap, this tension of these two parts of my life that I try to manage will lead me to burnout, will lead me to me naturally being exposed. And then I will lead to tremendous regret. You are not the only person who loses. It's those closest to you who pay the price as well. And I know you love them. But they will pay the price if we do not come to our Heavenly Father and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I need to close that gap. I'm done trying to manage these two parts of my life. You manage, my, you manage me. It will lead to burnout. But for today... What I want to share with you is a passage that's written in two gospel accounts. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So today we're going to be looking at an encounter, a dialogue, conversation, which Jesus had with some hotshot 
legalistic, super-religious people called the Pharisees. So the Pharisees were all about legalism, about the do's and the don'ts. To them, like, they knew all 634 laws of the Old Testament. They knew that stuff. Not only that, they also knew the oral Torah. So they, they knew the Torah, like they knew like, like what to do, the do's and the don'ts, but they also knew like the unwritten rules. You know what I mean? Like they knew like what you shouldn't do. Like, yes, you need to wash your hands, but actually you're supposed to do it like this. They, so they knew all the unwritten rules of what to do as Pharisees. So of them thinking they're so righteous and I know what I'm doing because I know all the, the, the laws and rights and rituals of how to be a good person, since they, they, they came to Jesus and they gave Jesus a hard time. Why? They said, Jesus, your followers, they're not doing the oral Torah stuff. They're not following the law fully like we are. So Jesus <laughs> responded. Jesus told him this. Jesus called the crowd and said to them, listen and understand. Anytime, anytime, let me pause. Anytime you hear Jesus say, listen and understand. Anytime you hear Jesus say, most assuredly I tell you. This is literally, if we take it into our language, this really means, hey, hey, put, put, put your phone down. I, I, let me grab your attention here. I, I need you to pay attention to what I'm about to say. This is, what, this is Jesus' introduction to say, what I'm about to say, I'm about to drop a bomb, so I need you to pay attention here for a second. Right? So this is when Jesus says, listen and understand, you know he's about to drop something big. So Jesus says, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, this is what defiles them. And I'm sure, not only the Pharisees, I'm sure the disciples were probably thinking, what on earth does this have anything to do with anything? Like, what, what is Jesus saying? What goes in? Like, they're trying to understand what he's saying. This is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew and in the Gospel of Mark, our patron saint. And both in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark, they both record that Jesus said this comment and then dropped the mic and walked away. He said this statement and he walked away. Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, this is what defiles them. So he says that, he kind of walks away. And he's making a big point. It's not about the superficiality. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. It needs to be connected to something so much deeper. It needs to be connected to a relationship. It's not about the do's and the don'ts. It's connected to something so much bigger. But they were just stuck on the legalism of what you should be doing. And this is the wrong group for me to share this with. But I do want to apologize for everyone who has left the church because they have, they have a perception that the church is all about what you should do and you should not do. And it's all about checking a box. It's all about, well, you better come to church at this time. You better take communion. You better confess after, not, you know, right at 40 days. You better not go swimming after communion. It's, better by, it's all about this. It's all about, it's all about the checks. And for those who have walked away, and I've talked to tons of them, and I'm sure you know people, and maybe in your own family, who have an understanding, quote-unquote understanding, a perception that the church, that their heavenly Father, is all about checking a box of doing the right thing, of just following the rites and the rituals, and that's all about it. Don't get me wrong. All of that is essential. But all of that is a bridge to a relationship. But the Pharisees cut off of just, they feel like if I just do the right thing, if I fast the way I should fast, if I go to church the way, well, obviously they didn't go to church, but I'm making it uh, pertaining to us. They fell into the trap. If I just do X, Y, and Z, then I'm good to go. How many people have drifted away from Jesus in this post-Christian American culture because their perception of God and his church is just legalism? 
is just things that they should do or should not do. This is what defines their identity or their worth, and they completely miss the mark. But you know what? Everything I just said right now does not pertain to you because those people who have left the church and have drifted because they felt the church was just about legalism, just a bunch of do's and don'ts, they're the ones now getting their theology from YouTube channels and podcasts and, 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 and listening to wellness experts for their life. They've moved on. So this doesn't pertain to you. But I do want to apologize. And you're watching this and you're listening to this. You're, this is not for you because you've already moved on. But I do want to apologize. Jesus continues. Jesus kind of says this as a joke, to be honest, but to us it's not really funny, but he said it like this. He said, are you still so dull? Like he's saying, like, are you lame? Like, I mean, he's kind of asking this question. Like, do you not understand what I'm saying? Like, are you, are you really that lame? Are you so dull? Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? <laughs> Another awkward statement. And I'm sure the disciples were probably like, um, yeah, we kind of experience that every day. Like, what's, it's called a bowel movement, right? So they're trying to understand, what is Jesus, what is this rabbi? What is this, what, what is this religious leader it's talking about gastroenterology? What is he talking about here, right? So for Jesus to, to, say this, to say this comment, and he's talking about, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? He, Jesus, went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. Jesus now shifts the conversation. The, the Pharisees are driving this dialogue to be superficiality, to be about the do's and the don'ts. And then Jesus then flips it. He says, yes, we all understand what we eat will naturally come out. But what I'm talking about is the inner life, is from within. He went on, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. So for us, especially for those who are seasoned as Orthodox Christians, the church gives us a wide array of postures, expressions, traditions, fastings, you name it. But they're not all about them to be in isolation. All of it is there to fuel a relationship. So it's not about them. It's not about the rites and the rituals and traditions. All of it is to empower and fuel a relationship. This is what this 2,000-year-old church is giving. So uh, for me to say it's all about super, I, I, I can go either extreme. I can say, oh, yeah, the, the church and all these, like, all these, you know, rites and rituals, man, all, it should just be about the relationship. Just, just be about Jesus. Just be about Jesus. Yeah, but all that is, is supposed to be go into it, like, all that complements, right? Imagine if I apply this to my, my marriage. If I tell Sarah, Sarah, it, it's, it's just about our marriage. We don't, we don't need to go on a date. We don't, need to, we don't need to talk. We don't need to have intimate conversations. We don't need to have, no. It's about our marriage. It's about our marriage. It's all about this. It's not about all that extra stuff. It's about the marriage. Of course, I need all of that to complement that fuels the relationship. So the church, in its richness, in its beauty, in its heritage, the church gives me all this to aid in my relationship with the author of life. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. Right? You've heard the comment, garbage in, garbage out. So Jesus is honestly kind of saying the same thing. He's like, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. The poor decisions in which you and I make, the poor decisions, the biggest regret in which we have in our life, it didn't just come from our head. It came from within. 
And this is exactly the point that Jesus is making. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. And he gives a, a very, he, he gives a description of what those evil thoughts are. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice. And malice means like you're intentionally wanting to do evil. You're intentionally wanting to hurt someone. Malice, deceit, lewdness. You know what lewdness is? Lewdness is, I, I'm saying that joke that's kind of a dirty sexual joke it's it's perverting sexuality but it's not like i'm not being blunt about it this is a perversion this is a distortion of sexuality this is me being lewd right so lewdness envy slander arrogance and folly folly means making poor decisions poor decisions probably just purely based off emotions as opposed to, as opposed to thinking it through and, and approaching it logically so so jesus is saying all of these, all of these sins is not coming from super, it's not, it's not a superficial thing. It's coming from within. These are in our hearts. They're settling in there. It's a matter of time for us until they come out. But Jesus is flipping the script of this conversation to prioritize the inner life. Because what, will I, what I do outside will go in and will naturally come out in some shape or form. If I have an orange here and I squeeze that orange, what's going to come out is raspberry juice. No. If I hold an orange and I squeeze it, what do I expect to come out is orange juice. So in the same way, when, I, when you and I are pressured financially, relationally, with the struggle, with an issue, with a habit, with an addiction, when we're pressured, this is where this stuff will come out. Have you ever been around someone where you see them like blow up out of nowhere or you see them behave a certain way or they say that certain thing and you're probably thinking, you're not going to say it out loud, but you're thinking in your head, man, I never thought uh, that person would do that. I never expected that person to say that. I, I would have never guessed in a million years that, you know, that he would do that or she would do that. Why? It was already in their heart, but they just didn't manage it. Just eventually, they leaked. It came out. It spilled out. So Jesus is wanting to flip the script to prioritize the inner life because it is from within. He continues, all these evils come from, from inside and defile a person. I want to consolidate Jesus' list and I want to highlight these four. Guilt, anger, greed, and jealousy. Do you know anybody who damaged their marriage, their relationships, their career, maybe even their own mind because of these four sins? Do you know someone who, who just started to drift because their anger got the best of them? Have you ever seen someone lose it because greed of them just wanting to consume everything? But they wouldn't call it greed. It's, it became, it, it, first of all, it was, uh, I, I would love to have this. It's a want. And then all of a sudden, they've convinced themselves that it is a need. Have you seen someone lose it? By getting that bigger house, getting that mortgage, getting that lease, getting that car, but, it, but they've convinced themselves that they need it, or they earn it, or they deserve it. It's, that, that's just dressing up greed. But and they justify it. They justify why they should buy this, why they should get that, why they should get that job, why they should move, why they should get the bigger house, why they should get that car, why they should upgrade. They, they justify it. They wouldn't call it greed because that's selfish. You and I don't call it that. In our heart, it's a want. But then 
we become the best salesperson to ourselves. And I convince myself, yeah, I, you know what? I do need it. I deserve it. Do you know someone whose life has kind of drifted away because of these? Maybe it's you and me as well. Have you drifted away from God because of these sins that are settling in the bottom of our heart? Jealousy. Again, you and I do not label. We wouldn't, like, it's hard for us to come to God and say, I struggle with greed, I struggle, but we dress it up. We, we call it a different name to make ourselves look good. But jealousy, let me just say this. <laughs> Don't raise your hand, but do you ever get happy when you see that person fail? You ever get, like, you're a little bit, right? do this little thing right there, and when you see that other person struggle, fail, they get what they deserve. What comes around goes around, right? You wouldn't say that out loud. That, that's, that's your meat. But inside your heart, you're a little bit happy when that person struggles or fails. You and I see this. My wife sees this at the store and says, we got to get that. That's that wellness. That's good. Right? We like stuff like this. We feel it's good for our health. The same is true for our spiritual health. The remedy, the remedy to optimal wellness is the organic church and capital H, her food and capital F. The remedy to that sickness that sits within us, the remedy that, that heals that part of us, which you and I try to cover it up, the guilt, the anger, the jealousy, the greed, we cover that up. We, we try to cover it up, but I want to tell you, you're not that good at covering it up. Because you and I leak. You are smart, but you're not that smart. Because someone else already sees that in you. From their perspective, looking outside in, they see that already in you. They see the anger. They see the jealousy. But no, 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 you cover it up. No, you, you, you do a good job of managing that aspect of your life. So you cover it up. But you're not that good. It comes out. You think you're good. People see it. And more importantly, your heavenly Father sees it. But the remedy is with him. But it requires us to come and to kind of open up our heart and to ask ourselves, why is that settling at the bottom of my heart? Where did that come from? The remedy to optimal wellness is the fullness of this one holy Catholic and apostolic church of God. This 2000 your old church. This is where the remedy is. But you and I can come and go, drink our coffee, come to the aid, do the whole communion thing, do the whole liturgy thing, without ever opening up our hearts. We can sit in the exact same seat. We can talk to the exact same people, and no change can happen. It requires us to accept the invitation of the church being our hospital to open up to him, the true physician. Going back to our list, I want to share with you, if we're honest with ourselves, this exists within us in some shape or form, some degree, some manifestation. It's there. It's settling at the bottom of our heart, and it's just a ticking time bomb until it comes out. I want to share with you how the church counteracts this, how the church comes to edify us, to cleanse us as we come with our sickness. We pray this in our ancient liturgical prayers. We pray this this morning. Cleanse us from all blemish. Blemish is any flaw. Cleanse us from all blemish, all guile, 
all hypocrisy. You know what hypocrisy is? Those two parts of our lives we try to manage. Cleanse us from hypocrisy. All craftiness and the remembrance of vice. Vice is just evil. That which all of that is packaged with death. All of that, the product of all of that is death, entails death. The church doesn't just say, uh, cleanse us from sins. Amen. No. The church then uses this rich, elaborate language for us to get to, the, to remove all those layers of the onion that we try to cover. Because let's face it, if the church just said, forgive us our sins, if that was just the redundant prayer that we just did every liturgical service, maybe it's easy for us to be like, yeah, yeah forgive my sins. But the church says, no. Actually, cleanse me from every blemish, every guile, any craftiness. Because sometimes I, 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 I'm deceptive. I, I become sneaky. I become sly. No, cleanse me from that. Cleanse me from any type of vice, any immoral behavior. All of that bears death. Cleanse me from all of that. The church gives us all that. For us, to, the church is trying to say, to take some time to look inside. What is settling in the, bo in the bottom of your heart? Because whatever is there, when put under pressure, will come out. We also pray this by an early church father named St. Severus of Antioch. I believe this is from the uh, prayer reconciliation, the Gregorian liturgy. Make us worthy, O our Master. We also at this fearsome hour, that with one mind, full of integrity, and without the double heart and the rest of vice, that we may greet one another with a holy kiss. The church is calling us out. God, we do not want to come with a double heart. We do not want to come managing these two aspects of our lives. St. Severus is making this super clear to us. He's calling us out because he gets this. Why? Because he's also messed up like us. He was messed up, but he lived a victorious life and found redemption and the remedy being with God and his church. So he gets this, and we can relate to this honestly if we look inside our hearts. Last week, we talked about surrendering. Today, check your heart. What's there? Like, instead of, like, you know, like, what if we sat with ourselves and we asked ourselves the question, what's in my heart for real? Like, what's settling the bottom of my heart for real? Why did I get a little bit happy when that person failed? Why am I allowing that guilt or that shame bring me down? What, wh wh why am I behaving this way? Why did I really respond that way to that person? Why did I really ignore that person? Why did I really accept that job? Why did I really move? Why did I really break up with that person? What, imagine if we started to ask ourselves those questions to get to the bottom of our heart. It's there. It's coming out. But it's up to us if we want to come to his unconditional love and for us to ask him, restore me, to renew me. I love the words in that first song that we sang, that you guys sang. I'm returning. I'm returning back. What if today is a time where we come and we tell God, I'm returning back to you? That, 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 that gunk in the bottom of my heart that I think I'm able to manage, that I think is not affecting other people, if I'm honest with myself, it is. Because I leak. It's coming out. And I want to come to God with that. Enough is enough. I want to check my heart. What's in the bottom of my heart for real? Why does it come out in this way? Let this be our focus for our soul wellness check this morning. For us to come to God and for us to say, God, here's what's in my heart. And let's be honest with ourselves 
what is settling at the bottom of our heart, because it's only a matter of time until it comes out, hurts us, hurts this relationship, hurts these relationships. It's a matter of time. So let us come this morning and ask ourselves, what is settling at the bottom of our heart? Let's think through this question as Abuna leads us and closes us in prayer. We can stand up. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Thank you, God, for giving us the chance to learn from Abuna and to hear the words of the Holy Spirit on his pure tongue and make us worthy not only to hear but to act and to think about what's the message you sent for us today and to make the decision to change and we want to change to be a better person. We want to change to be like you because no one is better than you. You are our creator. You are the source of all goodness and we would like to be like you. Please help us through your Holy Spirit within us to just give us the power, the love, the zeal, the motivation and understanding just to follow your commandments out of love, not out of fear or not out of we have to. And make us worthy to pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven. Now the love of God, the grace of only begotten Son, give the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you, go in peace, and peace of the Lord be with you.